Mark chapter number five. Boy, it's hard not to get blessed with Miss Robin singing, isn't it? I praise God for it. One thing I like about Miss Robin, we've been in churches in Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Kansas. And you know how she is? The same everywhere we are. I like that. It don't matter if there's 500 in the building or 1,000 in the building or 15 in the building. They're going to go to church just like that. I like it. I bless the Lord. I told her, I guess we were somewhere not long ago, and I, I remember the very first time her mom and her sister, they came in the late 90s to Brother Willard's years ago. Might have been the first time I ever took a lap in church. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, it really might have been. This, her mom stepped out and, and just been just regular, nothing really going on, just out of the banks right You know, at that, that moment. Brother Finney, she stepped out and she said, there's not a friend. And it was like you could hear the door of heaven open. And man, it was on from there's not a friend right there. And uh, I was sort of like the little lady that Brother Doug was talking about just a minute ago. I got the can't help it. said, man, it got on pretty good. I think I did. That might have been the very first time I ever got a lab. I was in shape then and could run. Amen. So back then, if I was running, you better, if you was in front of me, you better get with it because I'd catch you. Amen. But uh, those are great memories, and I bless the Lord for it. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate Brother Doug Rains. I've said it before. He's, he's one of those men who can do it all, teach, preach, sing, I mean, lead. And what a blessing. to, to, to He's made an impact on our preachers. Our, several of our men are going through the college. One of our fellows, we ordained one of the young men last night. It's in your poetical books class right now, Brother Hammonds. And uh, they, he has made a difference in our preachers at church that have gone to school and their family is such a blessing to me, and it's an honor to be here with Brother McBride, Brother Finney, these other men. Mark chapter number 5, I'll get out of the way and let Brother Finney come. It's an honor to be here. Mark chapter 5, let's stand together, and um, we'll begin reading in verse number 21. I want to be a blessing to you. I enjoy these morning services, I really do, and, uh, and uh, looking for God to speak to our heart. The Bible said in verse number 21, and when Jesus was passed over again by the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. Just by way of getting into the text, if you underline in your Bible, you all underline that word throng. But then, but then look at verse number 30. The Bible said, and Jesus immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? I'm afraid in the hour in which we live, a lot of folks are, are, are satisfied just to be near it. Just to be in the crowd that's close. But there wasn't but one lady that left different that day. And it wasn't just because she thronged him. It was because she touched him. And man, if we're going to go to this, if we're going to go to this effort to be in the throng, why not make that next step and reach through and touch her? Touch him and go home different for the glory of God. The Bible said in verse number, verse number 35, 
while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? Soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. He come unto the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. When he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. They laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in, entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. You can be seated. Let me turn your attention back to verse number 37, if the Lord will help me. And uh, let's look at that verse again. It said, And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. If the Lord will help me in my time this, these three mornings to preach, I want to I look at the three places in the Word of God that the Lord separated Peter, James, and John out from the other disciples and used them for the glory of God. I don't know about you, and I don't know if the Lord has favorites, but the more that I've studied these, these three men, the incidences where God uh, pulled them out. I, you know, listen, he started with 70, and uh, Brother Steve, he sent 70 out two by two, and then he had 12 disciples, and then within the 12, there were three, but even with Within the three, there was only one who the Bible said was a disciple in whom Jesus loved. Would you not like to have your identity as being in the love of Christ? I mean, John said, hey, uh, listen. They said, who are you? I'm John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Amen. And can I say there was a 70 in the will of God doing what the Lord said. And then there was 12 that were separated out of that. And then three, the inner circle. But only one, the latest head on the breast of the Son of God. Amen. I, I think about these three places and, and we'll look this morning in Mark 5 and in the other mornings. I think about Matthew 17. The Bible said that he took them up into a mountain apart to pray. And then in Matthew chapter 26, the Bible said uh, that he took them a little bit further. Amen. Aren't you glad that if you want to go higher and if you want to go further and if you want to come closer, uh, the the God of heaven will allow you uh, to walk with him in ways you never had before. Uh, I thought about when he took him up on the mountain. Uh, he showed them a heavenly demonstration. Amen. Uh, you know what they got to see? Uh, they got to see the glory of uh, the Lord. Uh, we're living in a day where that kind of talk is mocked uh, in my generation and behind me. Uh, they mock the glory. Then listen, uh, those old timers used to say, you ought to get the glory. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, Bob Jones Sr. said you ought to get in the glory at least once in a lifetime. Uh, Brother Sammy said you ought to get in the glory at least once a month. Amen. Uh, I tell you what, uh, uh, the reason we've got to entertain, the reason that we've got to pump and prime uh, in the hour in which we live, uh, not a lot of glory reign in our services anymore. Uh, but I tell you, this crowd that mocks it, uh, uh, the only way they can mock it, Brother Brian, uh, is the fact they've never been in it. Amen. Uh, uh, because if you've ever got in it, friend, uh, uh, you listen, you're not out there uh, uh, like the charismatics of bossing the Lord around uh, and commanding him like he's an errand boy. Uh, uh, but if you ever get in the glory, uh, uh, you'll find a corner to crawl in uh, uh, because you're afraid the power and the goodness uh, and the glory of God would consume you. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, uh, if you've ever been in it, uh, you may never get in it again. Uh, but man, you'll live the rest of your days uh, uh, looking for God to shower you. Uh, and listen, it may not be in a service. Uh, it could be in the prayer closet. Uh, it could be at the desk with your Bible open. Uh, when the Lord steps out of the pages uh, and walks about three and a half acres deep uh, in your soul and you get to thank God, friend. Uh, thank God for the glory. Amen. Amen. You think about it. You, I'll say it tomorrow. You, you, listen, this is the only time that really recorded that we see these men getting in the glory. You say, how did it change their life? Go to 1 Peter and 2 Peter and take you a red pen and underline the word glory in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. I mean, he's writing that 40 years after this experience and everything he can say, Dr. Raines, is glory, 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 glory. I'm telling you, listen, if you've ever got there, you know it'll make a difference in your life. Amen. He let them see his glory. When he took them further in the Garden of Gethsemane, he let them hear a, a holy supplication. Amen. David said in Psalm 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, amen. The Lord looked at the Sadducees and that scribe and said, who is Christ? Whose son is he? Amen. And then he quoted Psalm 110 one to him. Because they believed he was David's son, but the only way if he, had to, he could be David's son and his Lord speaking to his Lord, he had to be God's son too. Amen, friend. Amen. And the Lord took Peter and James and John a little bit further. And then they got to hear, I would believe, one of the, if not the greatest prayer meeting. Uh, uh, listen, it may not be the greatest prayer made. Uh, maybe that high priestly prayer, John, is the greatest prayer. Uh, but I believe they got to listen in on the greatest prayer meeting. Uh, it was not John praying. Uh, it was not Elijah praying. Uh, it was not David praying. Uh, but friend, it was the Son of God uh, speaking to his daughter. Uh, what must it have been to hear heaven talk to heaven about the will of God? Amen. But this morning in our text, Mark chapter 5, he, he's not taking them higher for a heavenly demonstration and to see his glory. And he's not taking them further to see or to hear a holy supplication. What he saw in the garden, the Lord let him see his agony. I just say I believe how God ordered these events. If he'd have took them to the garden first, they'd have packed their tents and left. He said, if this is where serving God will get you, if this is where the will of God's going to get you, if this is where selling out for Christ is going to get you, man, 
Lord, we'll talk to you later, amen? But what about a God that before he ever let them see his agony, he said, let me show you the glory. I believe when they saw him in that transfigured place, I believe what he was telling them, it was gonna be worth every mile of the trip, amen? I'm telling you, yes, there's burdens. Yes, there's heartaches. Yes, there's hurts and disappointments. But I'm telling you, he's been good to me. There's been more sunshine than has been rain. There's been more blessing than been burden. I'm glad the Lord knows what we can take and when we can take it. But he's not taking them further so we can see his agony. But in Mark chapter 5, the Lord help me just for a few moments. I want to look at that he's bringing them closer for a helpful education. Amen. He saw his glory on the mountain. They saw his agony in the garden. But I believe he's going to let them see his sufficiency in this little room. Amen. Listen, I don't know anything about Catholics and I don't know anything about Methodists and Presbyterians and, uh, and all that, but I spend about all, every week of my life with Baptist folk, amen. And Brother Doug, if I've ever seen it, I, I believe I'm preaching to folks week in and week out. They believe he's the Lord. They know they're saved. They know they're going to heaven. But I believe the question that's in the back of a lot of moms and dads' minds and a bunch of young couples and a bunch of teenagers, they're wondering, is he enough? Is he enough for what I'm going through? Is he enough for this heartache? Is he enough for this ministry? Is he enough for me to pay a parent? Is he enough for me to be a husband? Is he enough for me to be a wife? Oh, but I'm telling you what I believe. Oh, when they walked out of Jairus's house. You could have asked Peter and you could have asked James and you could have asked John. They said, man, we ain't never seen anything like that. Oh, we've seen him heal the blind. Oh, we've seen him touch the leper. Oh, but he just spoke to her and brought her back to life. I'm here to tell you this morning, thank God oh, the government's not enough and the law enforcement is not enough and the military is not enough and we are pastors are not enough. Oh, but thank God there's one seated at the right hand of the Father this morning. That's enough for whatever we're facing. Amen. Amen. Let's look at our text quickly. Lord, help me for just a few minutes. Let me preach on this thought just a closer. Walk with thee. Amen. Just a closer. Walk with thee. Look in verse 21 through 24. There's a parent that was desperate. Can I say desperate? Desperation is not always a bad thing. Crisis brings desperation. And when we get desperate, revival comes and prayers are prayed and prayers are answered. And miracles uh, occur when we get desperate. Do you realize that every miracle in the Word of God was a direct result? Uh, it had its roots in a problem. It had its roots in a difficulty. It had its roots in a, in a burden. But I'm telling you, listen, uh, a God can step off in the middle of your burden and the middle of your difficulty, the middle of your your disappointment and do things you wouldn't even dream of. Amen. I think about this parent. Think of, look at verse 22. Look at his resume. He, he said that he was a ruler of the synagogue. The ruler. This was a man of affluence and influence. He, he, would, have been, he would have been the administrative head of the synagogue. 
But it got so desperate. If those, if those other leaders in the synagogue knew that Jairus was going to Jesus, he'd have lost his job. He'd have probably been run out of town. But I'll be honest, he got to the place where he didn't matter what the priest said. He didn't matter what the other leader said. His little girl was sick and she needed something that the temple could not do. She needed something that the law could not do. She needed something that the Lord, only he could do. His place was the synagogue, the prestige that he had. I mean, friend, listen to me. He was a leader in that hour. But what did I say his name was? Jairus. Anybody want to take a stab at what Jairus means? Jairus means, LeBron, God will awaken. Well, man, if I had a little one, I'd tote him around for a little while this morning. Can you imagine when Jairus' dad took him to the temple? On the eighth day to have him circumcised, name him, and go through all that, that ritual there in the temple. It meant something when those Hebrew daddies, Brother Whittemore, would take their children down to the temple and name them. Those names carried weight. Those names meant something. And can you imagine, Brother Doug, when Jairus' dad took him into the temple and they were going through that ceremony and he held him up and thought, well, what am I going to name you? What is your name going to be? What does God want me to name you? And man, he looked at him and just peered over him and maybe heard him whimper and cry and man he said I tell you what you are a God that will awaken your name's going to be Jairus I think about man at eight days old he would have been named that and can you listen for all his life think about it let's say he didn't get married till he was 25 years old and then maybe and then maybe uh, uh, he didn't have a child till he was 22 or two years 27 and his daughter now is 20, uh, 12 years old maybe he could be 39 years old at this point uh, but can you imagine all he had heard for the last 39 years uh, on a daily basis is God will awaken and when his mama said hey God will awaken breakfast is ready hey God will awaken it's time to go to bed and his daddy said God will awaken uh, did you get the jobs done that I left you today I'm telling you 39 years I'm just using that as a as an illustration but could you imagine for 39 years all he had ever heard was God will awaken God will awaken God will awaken uh, what about that you and I serve a God uh, oh, that 39 years before you ever know uh, that you need God to awaken some things in your life uh, he's already done it uh, he's already named you he's already seen the end from the beginning uh, I'm telling you when you get desperate uh, uh, you can go back to the one who all you've heard in life is God will awaken Amen. Notice, my, what's he said to you? What's he, what's he seen about you? Man, we get tore up, amen. Amen. Man, when my dad was alive, I, I, I knew if I had an issue, and he, it was in his power to help, he would. I remember one time we had been, been married just a short time, and uh, a little while, and, and maybe Amy was still in school at that point, and, and I just got started working. And maybe a car or something, I don't remember what it was, but I had about a $2,500 need that I 
that I'd have the money for in about 30 days, but I didn't have it when I needed it. I walked into my dad's living room. I sat down with him. And, you know, you had to swallow your pride a little bit when you go in there and say, Dad, I, I, could you help me? He, he said, what do you need, son? I said, well, Dad, something's come up. And I said, I, I need $2,500. And I said, if you'll help me, I said, I'll get back to you in 30 days. And his mom was sitting over there crocheting. And he said, Mama, he said, uh, write Mark a check for $4,000. I said, Daddy, I don't need 25, but 2,500. He said, well, son, if you, if you ask for 25, you probably need 35. You just won't tell me. So I'm just going to give you 500 to boot from really what you need. And then he said, Mom, write one to Melody, too, because what we do for Mark, we're going to do for her. That's my older sister. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey. How many times have we go to the Lord and said, Lord, I, I got this need right here. And he don't just meet the need, but he comes behind it with a little more and uh, then gives you a little more. Uh, what about God? And I wonder, man, all he had heard is God will awaken. He said, man, Lord, uh, all I've heard is you'll do this, so I'm coming to you. And will you do it? Can I say what he realized? Uh, oh, was he was more than he ever thought he was. Uh, on the songwriter, you see, he's more than I ever could tell. Amen. And Jairus said, Lord, I need you to go home with me. Amen. Amen. Notice, notice his reverence. Notice what he said. He saw him. He fell at his feet. Look at the words that he spoke. I mean, you, this is a Jew. They don't even believe the Messiah's come. But listen, listen at the, what his words are. He said, I pray thee come and just lay thy hands on her. That she, notice, may be healed. In other words, Lord, if you'll just come and do it, I believe it's going to happen. And then notice what he said, and she shall live. Man, I can understand John saying that, or Peter saying that, or James saying that, or Andrew saying that, or Bartholomew saying that. But man, this is the, this is the ruler of the synagogue that don't believe that he is who he said he was. Oh, but here he's come and realized uh, everything he's got won't work. Oh, but that man has got something that we don't have. And that desperate parent came running to Christ. Number two, look at your Bible. 25 through 35. There was a physician that was delayed. Man, here he comes. Can you imagine? Look at verse 24. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Jairus must have felt in his heart? Man, he'd gone to the Lord, last-ditch effort. Lord, if you don't help her, she ain't going to live. And man, he was burdened. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, okay, I'll go. Can you imagine the hope that sprang up in his heart? Can you imagine how the disposition of his face would have changed? I believe you could have seen his face uh, from a mile away when Jesus said that I'll go with you. Uh, I mean, that expectation picked him up. That help was on the way. How many times you ever come to an altar and you bowed and boy, you poured your heart out to God and really you knew when you got up that it had not been fixed at that moment, but you knew when you got up that it would be fixed. Amen? Uh, because you felt like uh, that you 
Listen, praying through, that's another thing they mock in our hour. Oh, praying through. Listen to me. If you've never prayed through, you'll know you have when you do. Amen. Uh, there's something different about when God does that. Oh, but God, he said, I'm going home. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, expectation and hope was born in his heart. But look at verse 35. He said, while he yet spake, there came the rulers of the synagogue house, certain, certain which said, thy daughter's dead. Why troublest thou the master anymore? What about the frustration that put him off? Help was coming just a minute ago. But now this hindrance is confusing. Amen? Come help me. Come help me right here. Come stand right here. You be the Lord. Come help me right here. Come help me, brother. Come help me, young man. Come right here. Y'all throw him. Get around and throw him. Look at here. This woman, she had an issue of blood. She'd been sick for 12 years. And a crowd was here. You, you think that little weak woman walked up and pushed these men out of the way? That didn't happen. I don't think it did. He said, I don't believe that. Well, it might be your problem. You don't believe nothing. Amen. The way I believe he got to her because he said she touched the him. He said, I believe she got to him. She couldn't get through up there. She wasn't strong enough. She didn't have enough. But I believe she got down where nobody else was. There's no competition when you get down here, amen. You ain't going to have to struggle when you get down here. Oh, nobody want to be down here. Uh, but that little lady, she put there, and she couldn't have pushed their strong arms and their strong bodies. Uh, but somehow she got through the crowd and reached up and got, his, uh, got the hem of his garment. And in that crowd, the Son of God turned around and said, Who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, what do you mean who touched you? There's crowd all around, but he knew that virtue had come out of his life. And that little woman knew she had touched him, amen, uh, because all that problem that she had had for the last 12 years was dried up. Amen. While all that blessing was going on, here's Jairus. Brother McBride, I don't know if the Lord stopped for five seconds, five minutes, a half an hour, or an hour. But Brother Steve, to Jairus, if it was five seconds, it seemed like an eternity. And I believe he probably just went over and sat on the curb and thought, man, it's over now. Man, well, Lord, do you not care anymore? Or did, did, did you not think my situation was desperate enough for us to keep going to my house? You remember, I told you my daughter was sick and she's dying how many times is us as a child of God, man, we're pressing our spirit, pressed out of measure. And man, we see God answering prayer here and meeting needs there. And we're thinking, Lord, what about my need? Am I not, do I not rank up there to where I can get your attention? I mean, man, all of a sudden his heart was broken. Mm. Look at that verse 24, Brother Subtle. And it said, read that. Went with him. Brother Steve, this is the way I think it happened. Come here. Come here. My brother, y'all stay right there. I think when they left the first time, 
Jairus was doing the leading. And when they, that little woman touched him, he stopped. And Jairus just walked on over here. All right, read verse 37. And Jesus suffered. Who? Do, do, do what? Who was doing the lead this time? When they left the first time, Jairus was leading. He was encouraged. His faith was riding high. Uh, but now the Lord had stopped to touch that little woman. And man, they were doing all that. And, and uh, he got over and sat down. And boy, the news got worse. It got worse before it got better. That little person come from his house and said, Why troublest thou the master any further? Thy daughter is dead. Uh, I mean, man, he thought when the Lord stopped, it was bad. But then he got the word that his daughter was dead. And man, he was crushed. Uh, and then I believe the Lord knew at that moment uh, he had to do something and when he came uh, he said come on now we're going to go and this time the Lord's doing the leading can I tell you what I don't find in the text Uh, I don't find in the text where Jairus told him his address Uh, I don't tell you where he found the neighborhood that Jairus was living in Uh, but when he took him by the hand uh, he knew where she was Uh, he knew her need Uh, he knew what he needed Uh, and he went with him amen What about you've got a God that's enough when your faith ain't enough? Your commitment's not enough? Your life's not enough? Uh, We've got a God that can take a little bit of faith uh, and a little bit of obedience uh, and a little bit of trust uh, and do a miracle in our life. Thank you, man. Thank you. Maybe you come in. Y'all can be seated. Maybe you come in this morning, New Year's Eve. New Year's, this New Year's meeting. Boy, you started out his... January the 8th, you started out on January the 1st, charging hell with, with a squirt gun. But you've already ran into the opposition. And you're like Jairus. You say, what's this got to do with Peter, James, John? Just hold on. You're like Jairus. You're sitting over here on the curb thinking, I thought it was going to be different this year. You say, what are you talking about, Preacher. Listen, look at your Bible. That physician was delayed. Can I just remind us all, God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Timing sometimes in the, in the Lord's dealings with us, timing is more important than even what he's doing. Amen. He don't, you understand, we're, we're so instant, instant potatoes. You pull into a, a lot of the drive throughs and you'll see the little clock that tells them how long they've been waiting on you, that's, that, that can't be good for us. I mean, if they can cook that in 30 seconds, that's got to be nuclear power. No wonder we got cancer. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Instant, instant. But you know what? Well, if any, he'll take a lifetime to make out of us what he wants us to be. Well, in this day when Calvinism is on the surf, they, they run to that predestined, we've been predestined to become forward of the image. That ain't got to do with salvation, that's sanctification. When you get on a ship, friend, you're going wherever that ship's going. When you get saved, listen to me, let me just help you. The whole goal at the end of the way is not for you to be a great preacher or a great evangelist or a great missionary. The end goal of the Christian life is for us to become like him. 
Amen. And he works with us and he puts a little pressure and he knocks the rough edges off and he works with us and he works with us. I'm telling you, he'll take a lifetime to make out of us what he wants to. We want it today or tomorrow because some of that, some of that molding and making hurts. parent was desperate. The physician was late. I'm done. Notice the promise that was delivered. If you've got a red letter Bible, some years ago, Brother Dana Williams was preaching. I was over, I was over at the Rossville meeting. Dr. James Jones got up that morning and preached out of Ruth chapter 3 on the word until. Preached an hour. Brother Dean came behind him and preached on the word Selah in the book of Habakkuk for an hour. Brother, Je Brother Brother Dana Williams came and preached on the word and in John 2 for an hour. Three words, three hours of preaching. Three words. And I'll be honest with you, when Brother Jones got done, I thought maybe one day I'll grow up and preach like that. And I got done, and here come Brother Dean, I thought maybe I ain't even called to preach. And then when Brother Dana got up there preaching, he got to preach about them ands. He said, now, look at, look at this John 2. He said, look at all them red words. I looked at my Bible. I, I didn't have my red letter edition. All my words were black. He said, what about them red words when you read your Bible that the Lord just speaks right to you? And I'm thinking, I guess I ain't even saved because God ain't even talking to me. I ain't got no red words. <laughs> but if you'll look in the red words, if you've got a red letter edition, three times the Lord speaks to Jairus. He talks in these next verses. He said, only, he said, be not afraid. Holy believe. Only believe, only believe, only believe that required trust. Listen, we want to get in the place where we trust him when we can't see him. Amen. Hello? When we can't feel him. I like to feel him. I'm wired that way. Y'all pray for me. I'm wired that way. I mean, I like it high. I mean, my little wife, she's just quiet. She, she would go sit in the truck and wait on me after service got over and just sit out there by herself. She's fine with that. She just, she, if she shouted, I'd have a heart attack and die. I mean, listen, I'm telling you, if she ever got that happy, she'd be a rich woman because she'd get my, I would, I'd be dead. My heart would explode. I'd get so happy I'd die. Are you listening? I like to feel it. I do. Let me tell you something, I don't always feel it. I wish I did. There's some of them nights when you pull in late off the road, don't feel much. Just you, you smell a whole lot because you smell like a bar of mule. You're driving in on that last night of meeting, but you don't feel much. But you don't have to learn how to feel it. Trust him when you can't see him. When you can't feel him. How about this one? When you can't find him. Amen. Be not afraid, only believe. That required, that faith that was required. What about the facts? He said, let me tell you something. It ain't as bad as you think it is. And everything you see, maybe not what he's seeing. He said, what, what's y'all upset? She's just sleeping? Same, same language he used about Lazarus. You said, what, was he confused? No, when you're the Lord, it changed the whole perspective. Maybe dead when you're looking at him, but when he can, write, when he can lift him from the grave, he just rests in a while. Amen. Amen. What about, you listen, the thing that may you think may be your end under a burden you'll never get by. What if God just walked off in your burden this morning and said, oh, it's gonna be, don't, don't worry, it's going to be okay. That female that was raised. Let me give you this illustration and I'm done. How are we getting to Peter, James, and John? Well, let me ask you this. 
wouldn't you want to be the one that got to go in the house with Jesus? This is the first time he separated these three out. Now listen to me. If he was looking, the guy, they never seen him raise nobody from the dead. They ain't even heard of that. And boy, what the Lord said, hey, you, you want to go in here? You want to go here and do what somebody else don't get to do? You want to go in here and see what somebody else doesn't get to see? You want to go in here and hear what other people don't get to hear? Do you want to go in there and have an opportunity that other people don't have? You, what do you think? Absolutely. Amen. And man, he took them in and kicked the others out. Amen. It ain't going to be crowded in there either because ain't many people want to get in there. Amen. But they got in there. I don't believe he had a big show. I don't, listen, he didn't have a coliseum to raise her. I believe he just walked over there and quietly whispered to Letha Kumai. And man, all of a sudden, that little girl, that breath came back in her hair. And she rose up maybe on her arm, trying to throw her legs off the bed. And the Lord said, give her something to eat. Uh, listen, I believe you had to be real close to hear what he had to say. I don't know about you, but in this year, it'd be all right with me if I got to get in there uh, just and get to do what others don't get to do and see what others get to see. I want to know that he's sufficient for what I need in my life. Amen. I was driving to Lenore, North Carolina back in September. Brother Whitmore and Miss Courtney called me. Brother Dwayne and Miss Faye went to, went to church with Miss Courtney, my secretary's mom and dad, for many years before Brother Doug and Miss Robin came to our, our place because of a job. And we... Through them, I got connected so graciously to the Anchor Baptist Church. And uh, we've got to know many there and enjoyed the blessings of that ministry. I was riding up the road that day. My mama, mama was with me, and, and uh, Miss Courtney called. And, and, and Brother Whittemore, it was the first Monday of October. It would have been Pastor Appreciation at Anchor on Sunday. Courtney called with, with a Weeping voice, and I could tell she was crying. She said, Preacher, will you do me a favor? I said, Yeah, what, what is it, huh? She said, Would you would you pray for Matthew? I said, What was she said, Dr. Barton told the men last night or after the service that that they were the hospital was sending him home and that he had about a fifty percent chance to live to Christmas. He said, Would you pray for Matthew? I said, yeah, and I'll pray for Matthew. And I think Brother McBride will remember just a couple of years ago at, 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 at uh, I would say, Brother Doug, you were probably there. I think it was the message that I talked to you about that you preached that same year that Brother Jimbo preached on those prodigals. And they told me that when he preached that Dr. Barton just sat over there with his hand, head in his hands and wept. So Mom and I prayed going up the road for Matthew Barton. We got up to Lenore, and, and Brother Dwayne, Brother Jones was doing the sound. And Brother Lane, my, my son's father-in-law, my daughter-in-law's dad, called us down to the altar to pray. And Brother Jones and I were walking down the side of that Brush Arbor, Brush Arbor Tabernacle. And Brother Jones said, Preacher, would you do a, me a favor? I said, Absolutely, Brother Jones, what can I do? He said, Would you pray for Brother, Brother Matthew Barton? I said, Oh, Courtney, call me on the way up here. Courtney called me on the way up here. I said, Brother Jones, it breaks my heart that he's never really got things right with God. He said, Brother Jones said, oh, whoa. Brother Jones said, Brother Mark, have you not heard? I said, heard what? We're supposed to be praying. 
And he said, heard what? And I about got tore up and took a lab around the building right there. I, I said, what are you talking about? He said, you didn't have to hear what happened Thursday night. I said, no, I didn't hear. He said, well, Brother Matthews at the hospital and, and Brother Stephen Fannin said he went up to the hospital to visit with Matthew and said like he had done for many years and talked to him and said there was another gentleman there that I think his wife had been there and she had left and said, Brother Mark, you ain't going to believe it. He said, Brother, Brother Stephen was talking to Matthew in that room and he said while they were talking all of a sudden that Matthew threw his hands up in the air and said, oh God, would you forgive me? Oh God, I've been wrong. Oh God, would you uh, forgive me for what I've done? And boy, I'm telling you, Brother Jones said, preacher Brother Fannin said, the glory came in that room. He said they were shouting and praising God. I'm telling you, listen, wouldn't you want to be in there uh, when God answered a prayer like that? Uh, wouldn't you want to be in there when God unleashed his mercy and unleashed his grace in a way uh, that you've never been before? I want to be in there. Amen. Now, Brother Whittemore, all I had on my mind when Courtney called me, you can ask my wife. All I, all, the only picture I had in my mind, Brother Brown, you, you've been tied to them for many years. It was the picture I saw in July when Matthew was up there on the side of that mountain clearing that brush and he cut his leg with that chainsaw and cut it to the bone. And, and it, they said the neighbor just said, Man, I just sort of felt like I need to go check on him. Yeah, I felt just so much. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I just, he didn't know. We call that providence and sovereignty. I'm glad I'm be a, I can believe in the sovereignty of God and not be a Calvinist, praise God. Amen. Amen. If I didn't think he was sovereign in control, I'd shut my Bible and go to the house and go back to work. Amen. Amen. But the picture I can remember, somehow Brother Barton got there before the EMTs did, I believe. He's laying up there in a white shirt and a tie, and he's holding him on the side of that mountain. Matthew's face is as wide as Preacher Barton's, Preacher Barton's shirt, and he's holding him while they work on him. And I thought about Preacher Barton when I studied this about Jairus. And I think about all that God's done for Anchor. And I want, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Matthew's been out for about 20 years. Is that right? Was that right? A long time. Think about all that God did in 20 years at Anchor Baptist Church while he was, while he was out. I mean, man, God gave you a ship, not a boat, a ship, an airplane, the, yeah, a couple of them, the, the mission warehouse here and the mission warehouse out there and, and operation saturation where they're dropping Bibles and tracts out of, out of the airplanes to places that have never had a gospel witness. The new radio station, man, and just all and all. I wonder, I wonder when God gave Anchor that boat, that ship. I wonder if, it, I wonder if Dr. Barnes like Jairus, he might have said, Lord, thank you for the ship. But don't forget my boy. Lord, thank you for the plane, but don't forget my boy. Thank you for the new radio station, but don't forget my son. And can I tell you what must the news have been when it came back that he didn't forget his boy? I'd have liked to have heard the conversation between Brother Stephen and Dr. Barton when he called and said, Preacher, you ain't going to believe it. God's heard your prayer. And Matthew just got right with God. I'm telling you, he's sufficient. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But thank God he can get the job done. And if he's going to do it, 
I sure would like to be close enough to see it. Close enough to hear it. Amen. I saw, Dr. Raines, there's a, there's a young preacher in our generation that's thankful for the generation ahead of us. I'd have never wanted to be in this way if it wasn't for y'all. Amen. Boy, y'all, y'all wet my appetite as a young man that there was, there was more than just going through the motions. Amen. Amen. I mean, man, you used to have youth meetings when youth meetings wasn't the thing to have. By the way, I got you a room in January. I hope it works out. You can come. I want you to, I want you to see there's some young people that still want what you gave your life for. Hey, amen. Man, Brother Edgar and Brother Willard, me and I, I, Brother Mays, at the end of his days, when I got to meet him, I remember him preaching at Brother Edgar's when I was a little boy. But when I got to meet Brother Willard's, I got to, got to see him. He was in his last day. Matter of fact, he's supposed to be preaching for us the week that he died. But even at his older age, he had something that other men didn't have. I wonder if he'll ever let me and you get in there like they did. I just sort of want him to know if he's looking for somebody, I I want him to know that I want in. I want in. She's going to play. You want me to just stand if you want to stand and you want to come pray. What about a closer walk? He ain't forgot. He hasn't forgotten. Just old Peter, James, and John got to hear something the others didn't get to hear. They got to see something the others didn't get to see. He said, I'm enough. I'm enough.